Football Americas on ESPN Plus is presented uninterrupted by Expedia. Vamos a ver Orellana. No, 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 no. Una expulsión clarísima. Sí. No, ¿qué le pasó al chico? Una de las rojas más claras que he visto en mi vida. Americas live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I am Sebi Salazar for episode 285 of this show. For those who are listening on the podcast and didn't see the video that kicked us off here, that was Andre Orellana from the Clásico Nacional down in Honduras, Herc, with what I presume is about as straight a red card as you can get. Yeah, he's going to get six, ga six games for that, one for each tackle. Oof. Taking out uh, two guys for the price of one there as uh, Olimpia and Marathon faced off over the weekend. Not the only Clásico Nacional, Herc, that we had over the weekend. Lots to get to on this edition of the show. We will, of course, be talking America against Chivas, the Clásico Nacional in Mexico. We've got a six-goal El Tráfico out in your neck of the woods in Los Angeles between LAFC and the LA Galaxy. <clears throat> no Messi for Inter-Miami. Big problems as they fell to Atlanta United, and we got tons of goals and assists from CONCACAF players across Europe. In fact, Herc, that's where we're going to start tonight's show. In the Eredivisie, which of course you can see right here on ESPN+, Plus, home to Ricardo Pepe and PSV. Pepe with his first league goal since joining PSV. It came off the bench and via the penalty spot. Here's the playoff across from Chucky Lozano, Herc, where Pepe earned the penalty. Nice little conversion, too. Yeah, it's a great ball in by Chucky Lozano. Really does his guy in. Ricardo Pepe slots at home. And, of course, what's most interesting is not the penalty itself, but what happened before the penalty, okay? We'll call it a kerfuffle, Hurt. We love that word here. But really, it was a conference to decide who was going to take it. Ricardo Pepe, of course, involved. Chucky Lozano involved. Johan Bakayoko himself, a Belgian international, uh, involved as well. Eventually, the PSV captain there, you see him. Andre Ramalho comes over. He says, Ricardo Pepe is going to be the guy to take it. Chucky Lozano obviously upset. You can see the fans in the background kind of demanding that Chucky take it. Here's Lozano's side of the story afterwards. Pues la verdad, yo, yo quería tirarlo, pero bueno, fue decisión del entrenador. Eh, creo que toda la gente eh, se vio que, que querían que, que lo tirara, pero bueno, ya son decisiones del entrenador y bueno. ¿Usted lo, 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 lo tomó? Sí, la verdad que sí. Eh, la gente empezó a gritar, pero bueno, eh, ya no es decisión mía, ¿no? Fue indicaciones del entrenador y bueno, hay que respetarlas. ¿Había eh, cosas di eh, dicho antes del partido? ¿Quién, quién tiró el, el penal? Pues la verdad no, yo no, yo no estaba enterado, pero bueno, eh, como te dije, son decisiones del entrenador y bueno, vamos a, a respetarlas. All right, Herc, something, nothing or everything. The penalty spot disagreement between Chucky Lozano and Ricardo Pepe. Everything, and everything for lots of different reasons. Let's just, the straight facts, I mean, it was very well explained. Uh, Peter Bosch, the coach, the bench, the captain, they mm -hmm. wanted Ricardo Pepe to take it. 
Ricardo Pepe wanted to take it. It's everything. A young player wanted to make his name, 20 years of age, wants to take the penalty kick. That is everything. Chucky Lozano coming back to his all stomping grounds where he is a legend, wants to get off uh, running the same way he left, you know, on a high note, wants to start off on a high note. That is everything. Even, even is it Bakayoko trying to take this as well. Three players with the confidence. That is everything. Uh, but it's also everything because of what it means. Peter Bosch gave the responsibility to a 20 year old kid. Why is he giving the responsibility to a 20-year-old Ricardo Pepe? Mm -hmm. Could it be Pepe is that good at penalty kicks? Maybe. This one he should have laid off right there to Chucky Lozano. You should slot that one on the ground to Chucky Lozano. Chucky's right to be upset there. He's not right to be upset at the coach wanting to give the penalty kick to Ricardo Pepe. Why? A 20-year-old, why would he do that? I was thinking about why would he want Ricardo Pepe taking this penalty kick? Could it be that he thinks Ricardo Pepe has upside and could potentially help them? in some capacity and wants to get him going in some way. And maybe doesn't need or feel the need with Chucky Lozano. Knows Chucky Lozano will be all right. Knows Chucky Lozano has the jerarquia, has that hierarchy, if you will, in the team and that he's going to be all right. He's going to get his goals, his minutes, his assist, his love. But he wants to get Ricardo Pepe going because he thinks he's valuable. That is everything. And I love Ricardo uh, Pepe's confidence. I love Chucky Lozano's commitment to this because Chucky Lozano wants to prove that what he lived at Napoli is not Chucky Lozano. What he lived in the last two to three years with the national team is not Chucky Lozano. So I love this and it's everything from all angles. Okay. Can I read you, Herc, a headline from our friends at Marca based off of this incident? Sure. Ricardo Pepe ruins Chucky Lozano's return to PSV and gets jeered by the fans. Again, people say we're sensationalist here on Football Americas. That was from Marca, okay? Well, now, you I think are this is because you're bringing it up. Oh, I, I think it's a nothing as far as they're concerned. Like the dynamic between Chucky Lozano and Ricardo Pepe, I think there's 0.0 problems there. In fact, if you really think about it, those two players probably have more in common than they do with anybody else on the PSV roster. So I think there'll be a, a great connection, especially when they're on the field together. I think where this is something, Herc, is, is in the desperation. I think that's what you're getting at. The desperation both these guys had, you see is evident to take the penalty. That desperation makes obvious sense for Ricardo Pepe. We've talked about it a lot. He's a player that came in with high expectations. We expected him to play. There's real competition there with Luke de Jong. And so far, he is not starting. So he needs to get off to a good start. He needs to get some goals. But if you're Chucky Lozano... When he first signed with PSV, we had the same conversation on this show, and we quite liked the move because we thought, well, for sure this guy's going to start. For sure he's going to be a talisman. A club like PSV doesn't spend $15 million to bring a player back from Syria if he's not going to have a huge role. Chucky Lozano's in a very critical moment of his career. When you talk about trying to wash away the bad taste of Napoli, both for him and for his fans, he's got to do it now. And if you look at this PSV team, Hurt, there are guys, we talked about Bakayoko, a Belgian international. Noah Lang, the guy who Chucky replaces when he comes on here, is a Dutch international. He was on the Dutch World Cup team. There is quality in this PSV team, and Chucky Lozano is going to have to make the most of his chances. I loved what I saw from Chucky in the few minutes we got here. He gets the setup cross on the play that ends up being the penalty, and I know I don't know if we ran it all the way back in the replay, but you can see him drop a defender, Herc. It's been a while since I saw Chucky Lozano drop a defender, but I think what we saw most in that tension before the penalty kick is just how much both of these guys need every last opportunity they're going to get right now. What side of the camp are you on? Because you read off a headline mm -hmm. that you no, wanted to get out there I think this is, into the universe. I think, I think this is a very small thing. I don't think this is an everything. Who's I don't, in the I think right? This is a, 
Who's in the right? Yes. Well, obviously, the, whoever follows what the coach says is okay. in the right, right? If the manager says, now I totally understand why Chucky Lozano wanted to have his moment, but clearly he, and maybe not knowingly, overstepped his bounds. Good thing the captain was there to sort it out so it didn't become anything more. I have no problem with Chucky Lozano's desire, but it's very clear. The captain, the manager, everybody says it has to be Pepe. No problem. No problem with some, Lozano. Some people out there have selective memory because Santi Jimenez took the ball away from the captain last year, and that was okay. And now this is not okay with the coach's blessing. So let's just keep things in perspective. Call a spade a spade. Okay. All right. Uh, worth noting in this game, Serginho Dest almost had maybe the assist of the year on the Rabona. Did you see that? He started, uh, played 63 minutes for I PSV. Did see it. I did see it. Big opportunity for PSV, and a lot of these guys coming up this week, they got Champions League against producer Beto's Arsenal on Wednesday, I believe. So it uh, should be a pretty good one there. All right, speaking of Champions League, let's uh, transition to Italy, Serie A. Derby della Madonina, Christian Pulisic getting the start for AC Milan in a terrible day for them as they lost 5-1 to rivals Inter Milan. Pulisic playing mostly on the right wing was subbed off in the 56th minute, according to Sky Sport Italia, they're reporting that Stefano Pioli is expected to drop Pulisic from the starting 11 in favor of Samuel Chupueze for Milan's upcoming Champions League match against Newcastle on Tuesday. Herc, calm or alarm for Christian Pulisic and his many fans stateside. Calm, calm, calm. Now, I know given his history, people want to hit the alarm button right now. Uh, I've been reading a lot of reports about Pioli moving a few players around. Rangers out and uh, what was it, what's his name? Pobega in. Uh, there could be some rotation, if you will. Maybe this is some sort of load management because what's coming up is six games in 19 days for Milan. Amongst those games, Newcastle, uh, Dortmund, Lazio, etc. I'm not hitting the alarm button right now because mm -hmm. Christian Pulisic is coming off the four games they played. In two of those games, man of the match performances where he was the best player in said game. And you're sure, uh, this game, I think he played something like 55, 56 minutes, didn't go to his liking, didn't play very well. But who in Milan did play well? It was one yeah. of the worst games I've seen from Milan in quite some time in a game where he looked like he was trying to play it safe. Maybe he looked a little bit fatigued. Maybe he looked like he wasn't up for it on that day. But by no means should you be pressing the alarm button right now because of one performance and he's getting benched, rested, or whatever the case may be. This is a long road ahead of him. This may even be, Sebi, a blessing in disguise because given his history, that injury history, this load yeah. management yeah. could be a benefit. That's why I agree with you. I will say calm ahead of alarm here. Because if you're a U.S. fan, right, from the national team perspective, the most important thing to you is that Christian Pulisic stays healthy. Not necessarily that he's in form at club level, because we've seen him play great for the national team when not playing well at club level before. You need this guy healthy. He's playing a ton of games right now, doing a ton of travel all the way from North America back over to Europe. You know that's tough on him. So if, if that's what's behind this for Pioli, I will say calm and not alarm. But, Herc, if this was a something, nothing, or everything, I wouldn't say nothing, right? Because if there's ever been a criticism of Christian Pulisic, it's not necessarily that he can't hit the highs. It's maybe that he can't maintain them. And we saw him get off to a great start with AC Milan. I think he had a little bit of a wobble over the international break, not his best with the U.S. men's national team. And as you pointed out, nobody for AC Milan played well over the weekend. Certainly he didn't. But you would like for him to get the chance to get right back on the horse, especially her. Where do we want to see him? We want to see him in the Champions League. We want to see him against the best of the best. And I would think 
a Premier League team like Newcastle for Christian Pulisic could be a perfect opportunity to get back in right form after three games that didn't go well for him. So for me, it's not alarm. But when you're talking about getting benched for a guy like Samuel Chukweze, Chukweze is a really good player. Her, he can also get hot. And if he gets hot, as he has in the past for Villarreal, where he is just an exceptional one-on-one player, it might be hard to move him from the starting 11. So it, it's not short-term worry, but long-term, Herc, there could be some problems here for Christian Pulisic if, Chuk- if Chukweze comes in and plays really well against Newcastle. And it wouldn't be any different. I mean, he's been used to this at Dortmund, at Chelsea, when you play in the top clubs in the world. But we're hoping you're Milan have is competition, right? Well, you're hoping so, but given his history... This could be a blessing, Sebi. We've seen his injury history. We've seen how he's not a durable player. Uh, if you had to say who's the weakest team in theory mm-hmm. of the Champions League opponents, you could probably say it's Newcastle. So given that mm-hmm. it's not the biggest, the hardest, the most must-win game of them all, I have no issue with this. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, speaking of keeping guys healthy, we saw what happened to Edson Alvarez, right? Played over the international break, rushed back, played a lot. Fatigue. Came yeah. off, came yeah. off, you know... A, a little bit bothered, so you, you got to take care of you guys, especially when they're coming back off international break. Let's talk about the folks who are in charge of Christian Pulisic, Kirk, at least when he's with the national team, and that's the U.S. Soccer Federation. They got a new home. How about this? On Friday, U.S. Soccer announcing plans to build a national training center in Atlanta thanks to a $50 million contribution from Arthur Blank. The facility will serve as headquarters for U.S. Soccer, which, of course, we know had been in Chicago. Kirk, how big a deal is this national training center in Atlanta and is it an upgrade over Chicago it's an upgrade over Chicago absolutely because being a national team player you'd only be in Chicago for the occasional Gold Cup final that's a reality you had no business in Chicago Uh, the coaches the employees of US soccer were forced to live in Chicago but as a player I mean you'd set up shop pretty much depending on where you'd play for that international fixture and the majority of time it would be somewhere in florida it would be in miami at least in my day and what i've been seeing as of late orlando so this is massive because for the first time and not just the senior national teams talking about the women's national team or the men's national team program but all 27 national teams will have a home will have an actual training center like you see in the rest of the world the spanish mm-hmm. federation has one the mexican federation has one el car you know uh, the centro de alto rendimiento they, they they have their own facilities where you can get everything in one place and the great place a great thing about this is atlanta is centrally located if you will one of the biggest airport hubs in the world, the largest in the United States, central to everything. Flights out of everywhere. Players can get in and out of. It's much easier to to get everybody under one umbrella, one place. It's a great idea. I do have my questions about Mm -hmm. the affiliation to an MLS owner and how much money he's investing. I don't really know if what type of, um, what is the word I'm looking for here? A conflict of, of interest. Conf, thank you very much. Conflict of interest could pose, but it's an amazing idea, and Atlanta's a great place. Fitting we're talking about travel on this edition of Football Americas presented by Expedia. I don't know if you heard the interview with Matt Crocker. I believe it was on Turner with our colleagues from Turner uh, Sports Television there. After one of the recent U.S. men's national team friendlies, he was talking about the women's national team role, actually, but kind of how important it was that the person would be Chicago-based. I think now we take that to mean more Atlanta-based. But basically, he wants somebody who's going to be spending a lot of time in this place. I don't know if the next national team manager will have to live in Atlanta, 
as had kind of been thought before, I think that can be problematic, right? If, if you're going to open up the men's national team job or the women's national team job to the, the best managers in the world, whatever the city is, Chicago or Atlanta, limiting it to a city can be a challenge, can be another hurdle in attracting the best talent in the world. But I look at this man, to your points, Herc, easy hub. It's closer to Europe. It's cheaper, right? I think they sold Soccer House for something like $4 million. I'm not a real estate expert, but I know real estate in suburban Georgia, probably quite a bit less than in Chicago. And to your point, you do have a patron saint there. Whether, whether he's going to have his hands too much uh, in the mix, we'll find out. But in terms of MLS owners, you want somebody who's competent. Arthur Blank's at the top of the list, right? He's a top of the list, and he, if you, he believes in you, he'll write a check for you. So that's what uh, U.S. soccer wants here. $50 million, Martha Blank, to start this uh, project down in Atlanta, a new state-of-the-art national training center for the U.S. Soccer Federation. Let's run it back, see what the uh, Americans were up to in Europe over the weekend. We'll start with Flaren Balogun with his first goal for Monaco in a 2-2 draw, Herc, against Lorient. Yeah, it's good movement, good turn. Questionable goalkeeping, but Flo's not going to care about that one. Comes in three minutes later, the eventual game winner right here. Lots of pace on it. Keeper may want it back, though. Balogun subbed on in the 66th minute. The goal came in the 69th minute, Herc. So Balogun efficient as ever as he gets his first goal with Monaco in the French top flight. Congratulations to the American striker. Speaking of Americans abroad, Weston McKinney with his first assist of the Serie A season. It came in Juventus's 3-1 win over Lazio. Yeah, I'll give it to him. It's an assist. Uh, also, his 100th appearance for Juventus, something to celebrate right there. Comes off in the 72nd minute. Guess for who? Guess who comes on? Timothy Weah. I don't like that battle, that right back battle. I don't like it. Timothy Weah and Weston McKinney, the right wing backs apparently for Juventus as they pick up uh, three points against Lazio. In the Bundesliga, Jordan Pifak with his first goal since joining Borussia Mönchengladbach. It comes in a 3-3 draw with Darmstadt. He needs that. He needs it. 27-year-old Jordan Peacock. A lot of people are writing him off. The last time he actually scored a goal, any type of goal, league, cup, whatever the competition may be, February 4th, 2023 versus Mainz. Plus 280 anytime goal score. Plus 280 anytime goal score for those who are following along. And I'm, I'm sure, sure you bet. I did as soon as I saw him in a lineup. I wouldn't bring it up if I had. Not all good news for American fans. Chris Richards got the start for Crystal Palace against Aston Villa, but he gave up a late penalty hurt. Yeah, it's one of those all or nothing plays. Maybe you stay on your feet, give your goalkeeper a chance. Ah, tough one. Crystal Palace ends up losing 3-1 against Aston Villa. It should be noted, Chris Richards actually, for the rest of the game, played pretty well. Speaking of the Premier League, Luca Colioso. Did you see him today, Herc? I Burnley, did. The U.S.-born 19-year-old, definitely uh, one to watch. Speaking of what to watch, we got Norwich City against Leicester City in the championship. That's on Wednesday, 2.55 p.m. Eastern time. Coverage starts on ESPN2, ESPN Deportes, and right here on ESPN+. Plus. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. from Major League Soccer's weekend that was. The good LAFC's return to form against the LA Galaxy and El Trafico. The black and gold had lost three straight but powered their way to three points against their city rivals thanks to a brace from Denny Bawanga and a goal each from Ryan Hollingshead, which was an amazing goal, and Timothy Tillman. 4-2 the final score there in Los Angeles as LAFC runs roughshod over the LA Galaxy in the battle for bragging rights. Always count on goals when these two meet. Look at that, the highest scoring matchup of all time in MLS, 4.47 goals per game when the Galaxy and LAFC square off. Post-match, let's hear from Steve Terundolo, the LAFC manager on his team's big win. Sometimes, in games, things don't go your way. There are things uh, in life that happen. There are, these are all human beings, a lot going on, and sometimes it doesn't click during games. But um, so that comforts me every day to see all of, all of the training sessions. And it's like riding a bike. Uh, the qualities that the players have, uh, they don't go away. Um, sometimes you get a flat tire, but it's uh, easy to fix. Kirk, are you buying LAFC's dominant performance as a sign that the boys in black and gold are back on track? As a sign? Or are they back on track? Because there are signs of life there, right? Listen, mm-hmm. he, Steve Chirundolo compared it to a flat tire, right? Here's the thing. If you get a flat tire in one of the biggest nights of your life, that's one thing. It happened. And then... An, Another big night, one of the, another big night of your life, there's another flat tire. You might start saying, well, what am I doing on this night that I keep getting flat tires, right? Why is mm-hmm. it two or three times when the lights are bright, when it's the biggest of nights, for me, I get a flat tire, and that's 
what's been happening with the LAFC. In the biggest of moments, they come undone, whether it's been league play, whether it's been uh, League's Cup, whether it's been uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup, there's been something. Defensive issues, goalkeeper issues. For them, thankfully, the stars are back out. Maxime Crepeau, first game back since that injury in MLS Cup where he broke his leg. The first game back, he looked good. He will get better. There's going to be games where he'll be called upon that he will have to be the man. Uh, Danny Bowanga, after what we saw against Inter, uh, Inter-Miami, he looked better. He's coming out, you know. Uh, Tillman, the Tillman that we saw at the beginning of the year. But there are so many performances that we've seen throughout the course of this 2023 that leave me with this feeling that this team, LAFC, is still not there yet. And most importantly, it's midfield. This midfield that at times they still can't figure out, that at times gets worked past, that gets jumped. It's these players, their playmakers that they have that makes the team so exciting. It's the stars. Mm -hmm. When the stars come out and they decide they are out, they are almost unstoppable. But the chances that we get to see these stars under the brightest of lights are few and far between. So while there are signs of life, I'm still not <clears throat> buying it. Hey, I'm not buying it either. One, because of the LA Galaxy, right? They're 13th in the Western Conference. I know they usually get up for this game, but I think you got to take it with a big grain of salt, what you saw right there from LAFC. What I don't like the most are the it's like riding a bike comments, because that feels like we can just flip a switch. And actually, if you're Steve Chirundolo, I, I think I know why he's saying that, because he's looking back at last year, He's seeing a similar pattern, and he knows last year they flipped the switch. The thing is, I don't think this year's team is as complete as last year's team, and I don't think the gap between this year's team and everybody else, I don't even think it exists compared to how big the gap was last year between LAFC and everybody else. We can just step away from the Western Conference. Eric. If you want to talk about consistency, which to me, when you're talking about falling off a cliff, like against Inter-Miami, like against Rayados late in League's Cup, that's going to cost you Leon. in that's going to cost you right in the playoffs and that's the worry for LAFC there are much more consistent teams maybe not in the west but in the east Cincinnati Orlando there are five teams in the eastern conference that have lost fewer games than the nine games that LAFC have already lost so far this season if you go <laughs> off points and I know it's a tough comparison LAFC would be something like sixth or seventh right now in the Eastern Conference. So I think when you look at consistent teams, teams that are going to have success in the playoffs, you're not looking at a team that's up and down like LAFC is. you got to look to the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all good and fair, but those teams didn't have CONCACAF Champions League. It's cute. I know what you're saying, but I, I agree. But, yes, absolutely. And, listen, we'll, we'll get into the Galaxy right now, uh, but, yeah. Just because they beat the Galaxy, their rivals in a game that's usually high scoring and they had more firepower in this game. While it's good to see LAFC back if you're an LAFC supporter, I wouldn't bank on this is the game that shows you they are back. Yeah, coming off a uh, three-game losing streak that LAFC snapped. By the way, what was not a loser were our parlay picks. I had over two and a half goals, both teams to score, then Ibawanga, anytime goal score. I, I think yours hit as well. Did, did we did. confirm that? Did it get over the ten and a half corners? Yeah, I believe so. All right, big fat winners here on Football Americas. Big fat losers, on the other hand, the LA Galaxy. Six points back of the playoff line right now with seven games to go. Herc, is the Galaxy playoff quest over, or is there still hope? No, there's still hope. I mean, the West is extremely tight. You, you just mentioned uh, that they have six points off the playoff line, two games in hand, Sebi. Here's the problem, all right? Uh, <laughs> See, LA Galaxy. That's no, let me tell you the positive here, okay? 
The last 13 games, they've only lost two games. Okay? There's a correlation. Excuse me? How many have they won? Well, listen to what I'm going to say. There's a correlation here. Chris Klein gets let go. There's an immediate bump to the team, okay? Here is what's tricky. Seven games left. Five of those games in the next 17 days, they're not exactly a deep team. Two of them are only at home, okay? Here it is. The injuries to this team, and I'm going to read off a list of why, even if they make it, I don't have high hopes for the Galaxy, but it's a miracle they're even here at this to begin with. Chicharito torn ACL. Okay, that's a, that's a DP. Uh, Gustavo Brugman, meniscus. Uh, Calagari, uh, ACL. Savarez, uh, excuse me, um, Cáceres, fractured knee. Jalen Neal, abdomen. Mavinga and Delgado have been in and out of the lineup with injuries all season. Jovalich has been a shell of what we saw last season from himself, inconsistent. It's really a miracle they're at this stage. Can they do it? Possibly because the West is so tight. Yes, they can do it. But this is a team right now that even if they get into the playoffs, you can't bank on. You can't hope they do something. They're not deep enough to do anything. It's over, Johnny. I don't think they're making it, and I think it's fitting that LAFC ended it. One, Herc, to your point about the possibilities here. Yes, they could come back. There's enough games there. The math adds up. But to come back from a deficit like I'm looking at here, you got to win games. And that's the problem for the LA Galaxy. Yes, they can go on long stretches without losing too many games. But they don't win a lot of games. And you're going to have to win to make up this gap. On top of that, Herc, who's going to score the goals for this team? You mentioned all those injuries. Billy Ricky Sharp. Coach, Tyler Boyd, those are those are your top goal scorers right now Billy with six Sharp. goals all season? Billy Sharp. He's got what, two? Is that who's going to carry you the rest three. of the way here? Is that who's going to carry you the rest of the way no, here? Listen, if you're the Galaxy? A, I wouldn't worry the about them scoring, Seb. Portland, Sporting Kansas City, FC Dallas. You're right. You know who's going to score goals there. Seb, Those teams are better. Seb, you're right. And to, to, your, to your point, uh, forget about who's scoring goals. They're the worst defensive team in the league. They leak goals for fun. That's an issue. Listen, they're injury-ridden. Uh, it's a team right now that's lucky to be in the position they are. Uh, it's honestly, uh, it's a miracle with the amount of players and type of players that they've lost that they're in this position. But I'll tell you this. There's five games in 19 days. I believe that's what I told you, right? After those five mm -hmm. games, let's say they run a games and other teams are rotating and they do well enough, they've got the international break where they have – Zero players are going international break, and then they have two games to go. It could happen. I'm not. I've seen crazier things. I think with how tight the West is, they can make it. But making it is as good as it's going to get for the Galaxy. Yeah, look, I think there's some Galaxy fans who, even if they miss the playoffs, if, as long as you tell them that Chris Klein is not coming back, I think they'll be you know happy with how the 2023 season didn't turn out, but at least ended up in the final results. Let's get to the bad, Herc. Inter-Miami. They haven't been bad with Lionel Messi, but they were very bad without him. Losing 5-2 against Atlanta United in Atlanta over the weekend in front of a crowd of 71,000-plus. The Messi no-show, of course, was confirmed Friday night as Messi tweeted out a picture of him picking up a pizza from my Miami pizza joint. So then we knew he wasn't going to be in Atlanta. Then on Saturday, we saw him out with his kids at the soccer fields. Tata Martino blaming muscular fatigue for Messi, as well as Jordi Alba's absence, not to mention the turf. Sergio Busquets, by the way, did play and played the full 90 for Inter-Miami in the 5-2 defeat. And the Atlanta United social team with a quick Photoshop work on Lionel Messi's pizza, turning it into an L. L-O-L -L, as Atlanta wins 5-2. Herc, 
Let's talk about Lionel Messi and his no-show in Atlanta. Are you cool with it? I'm absolutely cool with it. Listen, Lionel Messi isn't here so you can watch him just wave. He's here to play if he's fit, right? Here is my concern, is why he's not there. It's one of two things, okay? It's either turf-related, that either Messi, Messi's camp, or Inter-Miami, Tata Martino, etc., don't want him playing on turf, or that this muscular fatigue, or fatigue in general, is much more serious than we thought. He doesn't play against Bolivia, okay? And that game was September 8th. Okay, that, oh, excuse me, the last game he played was actually September 8th. Doesn't play versus Bolivia. So you go eight days later, it's the game against Atlanta. Here we are 10 days later. Today's session was closed to the public, was closed to the media. So we don't know Messi's availability for the midweek game. Is it more than we thought with Messi? That's why I'm okay with it. But I'm also a little worried for Messi because there are a lot of games coming up, very important games. Um, and I don't know how much Messi we're gonna see. So it's interesting that you mentioned he's not here to stand and wave. I don't know if you saw the tweet from our recent guest here on Football Americas, Pablo Maurer. He said back in the day, Pelé used to go no matter what, whether he was playing or not. I think he gave the example of he went to Philly and people showed up just to watch him wave. A little bit different times. Would have been cool to see Messi do that. I do feel, obviously I'm cool with him not playing. I do feel some sort of sadness for the people that paid money. A lot of people paid a lot of money to see him, although you could have looked at the calendar. You could have seen, one, that this was in a close to a FIFA international window. And then on top of that, that this game was on turf. And if you're investing your hard earned money in a game that's on turf near a FIFA window and you're trying to watch Lionel Messi, it's, it may not turn out well for you. I also feel bad for Inter Miami fans because I do feel like this loss really is kind of the end of the playoff hopes. I know we've been saying that they had a shot to make it and maybe even you said they had a shot to do, do something spectacular, maybe even getting into the top five or six teams. I think that's that's a far cry now. But obviously, to keep Lionel Messi healthy, if you're an Inter-Miami fan, that's your, your most important thing. I think what we clearly find out here, Herc, is what the priority is for Inter-Miami. And that's what Tata Martino hints at after the game. He says this is about the Open Cup final. He's waiting on that game on the 27th. The folks at Inter-Miami, they want another trophy more than they want a playoff appearance. I'm fine with that. I think Inter-Miami fans should be fine with that. Are you fine with that, putting the Open Cup final ahead of the, of MLS Cup playoffs? Oh, I'm completely fine with it. I just don't think it's as lost as you think it is. I mean, let's do the numbers right here. There's seven games left, right? That's a possible 21 points. DC United just lost Tyler Miller for the year. That's who they're chasing. Their goalkeeper, their starting goalkeeper, Tyler Miller, he's out for the year. Mm -hmm. So you got six games in 17 days. One of those games, by the way, in 17 days, is the U.S. Open Cup final versus Houston, which you have at home. They have 28 points right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they do. I told you the magic number was 41. So out of a possible 21 points, they need 13. Four games you got to win and one result out of those six games, seven games that you have left. I think it's doable. And it's only doable with a healthy Messi. This is why mm. this whole, he didn't play in Atlanta, he might not play this weekend, is giving me vibes that there's something else going on. Mm. Yes, the priority is the Open Cup. But when is the Open Cup, Sebi? The 28th? 27th, 27th? I think it's 27th that Wednesday, yeah. They, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I think there's something going on there. All right, well, turf, international break, all things that MLS could, could get rid of, which would help us have players like Lionel Messi 
at the league and that their team's full, you know, full disposal. That's what you need. That's what you want. You want you want your guys uh, at all times. Yes. All right, Herc, let's get to the ugly, shall we? I don't even know if this is ugly. This is more like bizarre. MLS terminating contract of CF Montreal midfielder Matko Miljevic for what they're calling contract detrimental to the league. And what is that conduct? Well, reportedly, the 22-year-old joined a Quebec Indoor Amateur Soccer League, which is not allowed in most MLS contracts, under an assumed name, then allegedly punched another player in the face, leading to a lifetime ban from the Amateur League. Herc, this feels like some MLS 1.0 stuff. <laughs> you know what the crazy thing is? This guy was like part of the U18, U19, like, I'm, uh, U.S. Men's now, U.S. Youth National Team is part of the Argentine setup as well as Youth National Team. This is crazy. Montreal doesn't get a lot of love on Football Americas, but they got some there. In case you missed it, from the category of who has it worse, the Colorado Rapids and New England Revolution meeting over the weekend, the Revs reeling in the wake of Bruce Arena's dismissal and the ongoing scandal, the Rapids... Last in the Western Conference, battling it out with Toronto for the wooden spoon. On top of that, their supporters group, Centennial 38, staged a walkout during this game, which is kind of sad because they missed Colorado's first league win since July 8th. All right, Herc, who came out of this game worse, the New England Revolution or the Colorado Rapids? Both are bad. Listen, uh, New England fans, they deserve better with the way their ownership is kind of taking away their stars and, and seasons where they might actually have a chance. The whole Bruce Arena situation, which is still bizarre to me that he's being treated as a martyr, but he admitted to wrongdoing. <laughs> it is just very bizarre. But let me give the Colorado Rapids and their fans a moment here. The Rapids, the Colorado Rapids as a franchise are irrelevant to Stan Kroenke, the owner. Well, Quite frankly, all his teams are irrelevant to him. They're just money ploys. They all—they're all just a way for him to make money. Whether it's real estate, whether whether the case may be a tax write-off. In the case of the of the Colorado Rapids, he doesn't care about your team. He doesn't care about those franchises. He doesn't care about the fans. I'm old enough to remember opening up the stadium, Dick Sporting Goods Park. The stadium of the Colorado Rapids that Stan Kroenke himself built. This owner built a stadium and bothered not showing up to the stadium on the day they played their first game. The first time he ever set foot in that stadium was when they played a friendly versus Arsenal. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about the Colorado Rapids, what the team does on the field, what they spend off of the field, 26th in spending, by the way, this season, or how good they are at the end of the year. In the last 10 years, only two top 10 finishes. It's a tax write-off for him. It's irrelevant. This protest, if you will, it won't even make a blip on his radar. I feel for the Colorado Rapids fans. I feel for that great city. I feel for that organization, one of the original organizations, one of the original teams in Major League Soccer. But this is your owner. Herc, Centennial 38, the supporters group that uh, was kind of at the head of the walkout here, they wrote an open letter to the front office and ownership. Great line in it, right? They say it's very telling that Forbes gave you a valuation of $350 million for the Colorado Rapids, but new teams are going at $500 million, which means the Rapids are worth less than clubs that don't even exist yet. That was their shot 
uh, at the Cronkies. I thought this was a lot down to the dismissal of Robin Frazier. I know that things were historically bad this year, but I think Colorado fans at this point are pretty smart. They see when a coach gets dismissed, whether it's really on the coach. Let's not forget the great success Frazier had there uh, in 2020 and then really in 2021 when they won the Western Conference. They know the problems are much deeper, this fan base. So I think you know what, what we're reading here is, is basic stuff. It's the stadium is not up to snuff for the fans to have a good experience. It's the facilities are, are not good enough for the, for the players to prepare. That's, that's damning beyond this team is bad. That means you're not even really hurt giving your team a chance. I would much rather be a Revs fan, even though in the camp of will the Bruce Arena scandal galvanize this team towards great success or will it blow it up after seeing them lose this game this weekend to this Colorado team? I think it's probably going to end up more in a blow-up than in some type of miracle turnaround, great run with everybody pulling together in light of what's happened. Yeah, and by the way, what is it? Uh, Tab Ramos, uh, assistant coach now with, with the New England Revolution. And here we are with the Colorado Rapids just hoping the season ends for them and they can have a fresh start. Shout-out to our Jeff Carlisle, who I believe was the uh, one that broke that news about uh, Tab Ramos going to New England. Shout out to our friends at ESPN FC as well. You can watch the great show seven days a week right here on ESPN+. Plus. I will be hosting on Friday and Saturday, so definitely don't miss those editions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Liga Mekis, Clásico Nacional, América Chivas. Producer Beto, noted Chivas fan, found a way to bury this deep in the rundown. I wonder why. 21st minute, América on the attack. Brian Rodriguez. Yeah, and he's been Bubbles good. it across the line. Yeah, just he's four, been very good. He's been very good. Fourth goal of the season. He's one of the league leaders. Leads América, Julián Quiñones. A little fortunate there off the hand, but he'll take that. América up 1-0. 37th minute here. Aguilas on the attack. Diego Valdez, golazo! I've got a question. No, actually, I have all the questions here. Why are you backing off? Where is the midfield? How easy is this? 65th minute. Second half. More from Valdez. As America make it 3-0. El Chiquete Orozco is a defender. Igor Klishnovsky's been there for two days. He's a center back. Look at how he just turns him. And then Diego Valdez. I'll put it where I want. Refuerzo de oro, Lichnowski. America going for fourth, they get it with Alejandro Sendejas. I mean, Sendejas, he talked that and he walked that. Before this game, he was talking all about it right in front of Beltran and the Chivas fan base, and well, he gave it to him. And look at the America fans there celebrating in Azteca as Club America wins the Clásico Nacional. Four to nothing. Producer Beto says, don't you laugh, Salazar. Don't you laugh. Uh, as we read the scores here, of course, uh, this is a historic defeat for Chivas. Ah, we're, we're, going, we're digging deep in the record books, going all the way back to 43-44. 
Uh, okay, so there you get a, a sense of the context around this defeat for Chivas. They fall 4-0 in the Mexican capital to their rivals, Club America. Herc, let's start with the Chivas perspective on this and their manager, Belko Panovic, who has been under some pressure of late. Do you think he can turn this around or is this the beginning of the end? Do you see that that historical defeat graphic? Uh, five of them. Uh, three of the five were in the last four years. So it's a little telling right there. Mm -hmm. The question was, can Panovic turn this around? <sighs> Listen, it, it's, it's Liga Amekis where if you string together two to three wins, you're all of a sudden mm -hmm. in, in a playoff position. That's the reality of the league with well, the, let's with the, the short season. Let's set the bar a little seasons. higher. This is Chivas. Can they contend for a title this year? Can he turn it around and get them back in contention for a title this year? I don't believe so. There, there, there are lots of mistakes that not only Panovic made, but that Fernando Hierro, the sporting director, have made. Eric Gutierrez comes in to reinforce this team. They spent a lot of money on Eric Gutierrez on that transfer fee and his salary. They didn't need another central defender. They didn't need a central defender who is that slow, that paused in his game. Yes, a lot of technical ability, but definitely not the type of player with a dynamic feature to his game. What they needed was a nine. They didn't bring in a nine, so that's an error. When you talk about this game in general, knowing how America plays, what their strengths are, you don't put Chapo Sanchez, who's my age, instead of Alan Mosso, who's that type of player who can go up and down the field. You don't change things up in the midfield and up top, and at halftime, you don't take out one of your franchise players in Alexis Vega. I don't care how bad he is. All you're saying is what I have in Alexis Vega can no longer help me because nobody in the bench is going to do it for you. We're talking about Marina's a nine. We're talking about a team where Guzman, Victor Guzman, one of your best players since he's been there, a player that when he starts, you're undefeated with three games that he started, four games that he started, three are wins, one is a tie. And in the four games he's not started, you've not won. You've only tied once and three defeats. There's so many different things here that we can put on Belkoponovic himself. And it's very easy for me to say, well, what about the players? What about the players? But these players aren't good enough, and that's a reality. Alexis Vega is a shadow of himself. Who knows how he is with that knee? It doesn't look like he's fit enough to play right now. It doesn't look like he has confidence. The back line, I mean, you saw Sepulveda during the international fixture dates. You know, he was very bad, didn't start this game. Uh, you got, you're relying on a Chapo Sanchez. Uh, Eric Gutierrez got ate up in that midfield. Also Gonzalez as well. Beltran, I mean, the list goes on and on. Chiquete Orozco. So many just bad performances against a very good transition team, a very good offensive team like Club America. Can he turn it around? I don't think so. Not by what I've seen. Doesn't look like they have the star power or that offensive or just capabilities at any any facet of. It's three straight right now. I believe they're going to have uh, Mazatlan, Pachuca, and Atlas coming up next. It, it could be a rough one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned Fernando Hierro. He had a press conference today where, of course, he gives the coach the vote of confidence. Usually, as a manager, when your boss comes out and gives you the public vote of confidence, it doesn't mean great things. There's six right now which is not all that dramatic. They're only three points from the top of the table. I think the bigger question here is when will Paunovic finally be under pressure to actually lose his job? I don't, I don't have a Chivas fan perspective here, but I do talk to producer Beto. And producer Beto told me Chivas fans have not forgotten the fact that Paunovic took this team to the final. But he did her point to that schedule that you talked about and that things could get dark in a hurry. Here it is. It's Pachuca, Mazatlan, Toluca, Toluca, and then Atlas, the Clásico Tapatio on October 7th. And you lose 4-0 in the Clásico Nacional 
it stings. That's the type of result that can get a manager fired. He has goodwill, but now he's burned a lot of that goodwill. You have another bad day in a Clásico against Atlas? I think we could be looking at a guy who could be out of a job by the middle of October. Yeah, I'm not discounting that. Listen, through, throughout the history of Chivas, you've seen managers not do well in regular season against Club America because last time these two faced off in a regular season, it was 4-2 advantage Club America, and yet come to a playoff, Liguilla, and Chivas beats America. And it's like they'll have that credit mm-hmm. to their to their name, if you will. And Panovic getting to a final will definitely give him credit because I've said it before. The last eight years, 16 seasons, Sanz this last season, Chivas is... Average, if you will, was ninth place. Mm-hmm. Uh, people forget very quickly. Uh, if you don't make playoffs, or if there's another uh, scandalous scoreline, uh, Velko Panovic could see himself on the outs for sure. All right, enough Chivas. Let's talk about the team that won the game, Club America, who seem to do well when it comes to Los Clásicos. No, and Club America is a team that has multiple Clásicos. Chivas, Cruz Azul, Pumas, just to name a few. So, Herc, are Clásicos enough for Club America, because when it comes to actual trophies, the cabinet has been dry for a few years. Yeah, five years, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Clásicos are not enough for a club like Chivas, but if we're talking about this season with Jardine and the way the team has been performing, I would say before this game against Chivas, uh, six of their last games, while they've not lost, weren't necessarily, excuse me, weren't necessarily convincing. It wasn't the three Gs, the gustar, golear, y ganar. It wasn't that type of performance, but they were getting by. If you look at the standings right now, they've got a game in hand that if they win, they're at the top of the table. So it's very difficult to sit here and say they've not been consistent, especially since we started the repachaje era, this wild, this wild card era, this play-in era. They're the only team that not only makes it to the playoffs, but makes it in a direct fashion, one of the top four teams. In fact, I spoke about Chivas and the ninth place average that they have. Well, in that same time, America's third place. The problem is there are other teams like Los Regios, uh, Monterrey or, or Tigres, who maybe don't always get in first place or as a second place mm. team. But once they're in the big dance, once they're, once they're in the show, they often not lift the trophy. And at Club America, you have to lift the trophy. Forgive me or excuse me if, if I'm ignorant on this, but for you as an America fan, that's the yeah. only thing that matters. Yes, you have to have titles. Look, I don't want to menospreciar. I don't want to turn my nose up at a, at a win in El Clásico Nacional. A 4 nothing victory over Chivas is great. But if you look at the Clásicos for Club America, the Cruz Azuls, the Pumas, the Chivas, to your point about Chivas, it's a lot of the same for Cruz Azul and Pumas. Those are no longer the, the big boys of Mexican soccer, maybe in terms of fan bases and media, but not in terms of quality. So if America is going to win titles, eventually they're going to be measured against Los Regios and the Leones of the world, the Pachucas of the world, the teams that they run into in the playoffs, which sometimes are a Chivas or a Cruz Azul or a Pumas. But for the most part, are other teams. That's who America needs to beat. Now, for the manager right now, Andres Jardinet, this is a signature win and a signature win, Herc, that he needed badly. So in, in terms of its value to the, the current edition of Club America, this is a, a massive, massive win. But if we're talking about what is an America fan, I'm going to feel at the end of the season, forget the Clásicos. We've had, we've had a million Clásico wins over the years. we got to have titles. 
We haven't had titles in the last yeah, two years. Yeah, but you were shaky this season. And the center back position was shaky. And all of a sudden, in the snap of a finger, you've got Igor Lifshinovsky, who I'll looked take, great. I'll turn down every Classico. And hold I'll on, lose Seb. every Classico Seb, for a title. How much, better, how much better did you feel with Lifshinovsky and Ramon Juarez at the center back position than every previous game before in this season? I think yeah. every American fan would say that center back duo looked like the duo to stay. Yes. Is that about Lishnovsky or is that about the guys who were starting before? Well, also, Ramon, Ramon Juarez, he's 22 years old, and the guy like barely started playing last season with San Luis with Jardine. He looks like the real deal. All right, so America, big winners over Chivas in the Clásico Nacional down in Mexico. Let's check in on what some Mexican players were doing over in Europe as we run it back on this edition of Football Americas. Presented by Expedia, we'll start with Santiago Jimenez. Scores again, his sixth of the season, plus he added an assist. Yeah, what's, what's the one knock when you talk about Henry versus Santi? It's like, Henry's better with his back. That looks pretty good right there. Santi's learning how to play that position with his back. Santiago Jimenez staying hot as Feyenoord get the big win over Herrenben, 6-1 on Saturday. Santiago Jimenez and the Dutch champions rolling over the weekend. Speaking of, well, not Dutch champions, not reigning Dutch champions anyway, but what about Edson Alvarez made the move from Ajax to the Premier League and Manchester uh, and uh, West Ham. They were playing Manchester City. They actually took the lead against Manchester City here. Edson playing pretty well there in midfield, but eventually he'd have to be subbed off with what looked like an injury. Now they're calling it precautionary, but man, he was busy over the international break. West Ham putting him right back to work. Yeah, man, that's one of those things. You know, he's an important player for his national team. He's an important player for his club. That's a lot of travel, a very physically demanding league. This is going to happen. West Ham, 3-1 uh, losers on the day to Manchester City. West Ham, for course, enjoying a pretty good start to the Premier League season with Edson Alvarez involved. We'll hope for better news on his injury front. Back in Liga Mekis, Tecatito Corona. Of course, returning to Rayados. And what a return against Leon. Our man turns provider Watch this. a player he Watch may this. be playing. Watch this. With on the Mexican national team, Jordi Cortizo. Look, it's the Tecatito of old. It does look like the Tecatito of old, right? I was on Football Picante today, and it was like, who's the best 1v1 player right now in Mexico? And they were trying to say, is it Cesar Huerta or somebody else? And I was like, he's not even the best 1v1 Mexican player. Because Tecatito Corona just debuted for Monterrey. Look at that. A good finish from Cortizo, too. That's a great finish. Brings it down very well. With his left foot, he finishes. Is it right foot? It was right foot. Excuse me. Rayados, 3-1 winners over Leon. Speaking of Cesar Huerta, how about this golazo against Mauricio Pedrosa's San Luis? Yeah, it's a banger with his left foot. Now, listen. If the question was who's most incompetent right now or who's having the most impact directly for his team, it would be Cesar Huerta. I'd argue Cesar Huerta would have better stats if not for his team. The way they started this season, the way they squandered so many opportunities that he put up on a platter, he should be better in the stats department. Pumas, 3-2 winners over San Luis. What about Marcelo Flores? Speaking of debuts, makes his Tigres debut and... Had himself a little welcome to Liga Nekis moment. Yeah, a couple. He was active, right? He's going to get one right here. You're going to see him. It's, it's Javier Abella, and Abella is going to tackle him out of bounds, if you will. And listen, look at it. 
Shadow's gonna say, all right, I got you. Boom! <laughs> I love it. Do you? Yeah, I like a little fire from the youngster. Yeah, you gotta be careful though. Uh, I mean, it, it was, he, he got baited. It was very obvious, uh, a little higher. Abeya sells it a little bit more. It could have been a red card. Look at this, look at this, watch this. Yeah, it was not subtle. Yes. But I guess you learned that with age. Marcelo Flores then going in the book on his Liga MX debut. We got La Liga on ESPN Plus coming up this weekend. Barcelona against Luca de la Torres. Celta de Vigo coverage starts Saturday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 9.30 a.m. Pacific, right here on ESPN Plus. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. Exciting news on Thursday. We mentioned Celta de Vigo going to play Barcelona over the weekend. Our good friend Rodrigo Paez is going to have a sit-down with Luca de la Torre. We're going to bring you that exclusive conversation on Thursday's edition of the show. Herc, before we get out of here, what are you wearing over there? You remember this guy? I do. Do you remember these guys, baby? How about that one, producer Beto? Oh, Cuatro. wow. Cuatro. <laughs> oh, wow. Fighting words. <laughs>